Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. It's one of those small epistles in the New Testament. Uh, Go mostly through the New Testament and you'll come across Philippians. Philippians, then Colossians. But let's look at Philippians chapter 1 today as we're finishing this little series that we've been doing on the mission of Meadowbrook. And I think this is a good passage for us to move to to consider that. There's also a pew Bible available for you in the seats ahead of you. Paul writes to this church and to us saying, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let me pause. I want to read some more of this passage, but I just can't help but stop and think for a moment that Paul is encouraging through his life witness for the saints of God in the church to live well. This has been a season that has been difficult for many in our faith family, as some of our own have gone to be with the Lord, and in doing so have left us in absence. And as I reflect on those people, as I have done many times in my ministry here, many of those that I have known and now know in death, I am just pausing to say, Lord, I want to live well, and I want to die well. I want my faith to be fully demonstrated in the days of my living, and I want my faith to be fully demonstrated in the day of my death. So help me, God. That's really what David, uh, Paul is saying to this church in Philippi. He's saying, I want to live strong. I want to live in a way that is honorable in my living and even in my death. For me to live is Christ. To die, oh, that's my gain. But now look what he says. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. In other words, I long to die and be with Christ... But if he determines me to live out my life, it would be to my advantage that I might be able to serve you, minister to you, build you with the words of truth in my life. It's necessary. Convinced of this, he says in verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Now, if you're one to mark in your Bible, that last little phrase I just read might be one to mark or circle. The whole purpose of his life, the whole givenness to the days, if he's going to remain here on earth, distant from heaven, if he's going to remain, he says, it will be because of your progress and your joy. In other words, his whole life was given to the people that had been placed before him that they might know truth, they might have truth, they might progress in their faith, and that they might be filled with joy. What a purpose. This is his purpose in life, to do this very thing, to minister to the Gentiles the gospel of Christ and to build up the church so that they might be 
progressing and joyful in their faith, so that in me they may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. So it's not just the progress and the joy of their faith, but in the conclusion of it all, they would be able to say they have lived life unto the glory of Christ. That's the goal. Because of my coming to you again, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So Paul's desire is to honor Christ in life and in death, focusing on serving others for their progress, for their joy in faith, giving them calls to live gloriously unto Christ Jesus. That's a good passage for us to finish this series on. Because if you remember Meadowbrook's mission statement, it's, it's on the screen behind me, is to seek to connect people to Christ and his church, to grow them as disciples, to be disciplers, to equip them for ministry, missions, ministry, and worship to the glory of God. If we just focus on those last words there, that's my hope today that we will encourage one another in that truth that we would live gloriously. Now as a church, it's obviously our hope and God's will that we would connect people to Christ, sharing the gospel with them, living the gospel before them, connect them to Christ and his church and we would do it to the glory of Christ. That we would grow disciples to the point that they are disciplers to the glory of Christ. And that we would equip people that they might serve in missions, ministry, and worship to the glory of Christ. So everything is about the glory of Christ. All the process that you and I are part of as a church family is to the glory of Christ. But let's focus on the last part of that. It's pretty simple for us to recognize what ministry is, what missions are and how we do those things. Uh, worship's a little bit convoluted at times because we think of worship as being our singing on Sunday morning or our hearing and engaging, responding to the Bible on Sunday mornings or the giving of offering, which we're doing in a weird way by putting it in boxes and going online to mbchurch.com forward slash giving. But all those are expressions of worship. You might be doing it digitally. You might be doing it practically. But the point is, worship is meant to be done, right? Th this is the way we do it. So what is he talking about when he's expressing worship? I think worship is all the acts of the body, the soul, the spirit that are intentionally there to express the infinite worth of God. Now that takes it to a whole nother level. It's more than singing, it's more than giving, isn't it? It's my heart, my soul, my body being given to the infinite worth of God and making that known. That's worship. Now the point is, everybody is a worshiper. But not everybody has the same object of worship. Everybody's heart is given to something, but not everybody's heart is given to God. Everybody does acts of ministry and missions and worship in some way, but that doesn't mean they do it in a way that is glorious unto God. And so this passage is really challenging us to do that. So let's talk about living gloriously. I've got five points. I'm going to move some of them pretty quickly, and others will slow down the pace a little bit. The first is live gloriously from the essence of the gospel. If you're going to live gloriously, then I think you have to have the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. 
And we ought to live out of the expression of the gospel. So he says to the church, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for God's own possession that you may proclaim, listen to this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. The last portion is really a highlight, isn't it? The first one tells who we are in Christ, what he has accomplished for us, and who he has made us to be. But then the purpose of all of that is that we might proclaim. Now, proclaim is a, a very unusual word in the Greek New Testament. In fact, there's not another time that the word is used in the entirety of the New Testament. So that's a big deal, right? It's the only time that he's using it, and he's talking about bringing something forth, speaking something forth, living something forth, presenting something forth that is yet to be known. So he says, the purpose for me calling you into this relationship, into this way of life in Christ, is that you might bring forth, express forth what people don't know. And what is it that people don't know? The excellencies of God. What does that mean? What is the excellencies of God? Well, if you were going to sort of boil that down and make a rue out of it, it would be that you know the character of God, the grandeur of God, the glory of God, the intrinsic ways and value of God. You know those things and you are living and communicating those things. You are bringing them forth. This is uh, the purpose of what we do unto the glory of God. We want God's glory to be known by people who may not know it in any other way. So when we do ministry or missions or worship, the purpose is not to do, the purpose is to express. Let me rewind and let's just redo that one again because some of you are glossed over. <laughs> The purpose of missions and ministry and worship is not to do, it is to express, to express the glory of God, to express so that people know the excellencies of God. So we encourage people to be engaged in missions and ministry and worship, but it's not just doing something for God. Serving in those ways is meant to be a proclamation of the excellencies of God, the intrinsic character of God. So we do so gloriously when we concentrate on revealing God rather than doing something for him. I just want to pound that point because all during my growing up years and all through my young adult years and some during my ministry years, I missed it. I thought it was about doing something for God. That is not what, God does not need me to do anything for him. It's not about doing for God, it's about expressing God in our doing. And that takes ministry and missions and worship to the level that is glorious. Anything else is just something we do. But it's glorious when it expresses who God is. For example, over the last couple of weeks, we've been delivering some meals up to MICU and the ICU units where people, uh, be it those who are helping in the facility or those who are nursing and those who are administering medicines, those who are doctoring, all, all those folks that are engaged in COVID patients. We've been delivering meals to them. And in doing so, our purpose is both in the noon hours and in the evening hours, those people who are giving so much to COVID patients would know there's a church 
who wants them to know the mercy and the grace and the love and the compassion of God. We wanted them to read notes that were written by you and prayers and verses that are highlighted by you. So as they're eating, they're reading. Now sure, we could have fed them anything, but could we do it to the glory of God so that God is expressed? That's really what we're after. In everything we do, open hands last Sunday, we gave out lots of food, lots of clothing, lots of hygiene. We've done it for many, many years. But the purpose is not to just feed the poor in our community or to give them clothing to make sure that they can have the hygiene that they really need to stay well. The purpose is not to do that. The purpose is to let them know that God is merciful and God is gracious and God is kind and God has compassion and God has a rich gospel truth available to them. The purpose is not to do benevolence. The purpose is to make God who is benevolent known. Is that making sense? Or, or you're teaching life group today. Your purpose is not to teach the lesson. Your purpose is to make the one who the lesson is about known. It takes what we do and puts it before others in a way that God and his glory is revealed. And that's really what we're after. So if our mission and ministry and worship does not reveal God's wonder and God's excellences, then we fall desperately short of the gospel's significant impact on our life and the impact that the gospel needs to have on the lives of others. So to live to express in words and action the glory of God is to live gloriously. We reflect his justice and his mercy and his grace and his love and his forgiveness and his truth and all those other characteristics. So if you're outside and you're greeting on a cold morning like today, it's not just an assignment. It is you doing it in a way that God is revealed. And if you're serving over it at Cafe 59, it's not it's just that you're serving up coffee and some uh, great baked goods. It's that you're showing the hospitality and the love and the encouragement of God and whatever it is that you do in this house among these people among this place you do it to a measure that God is glorified and when that happens people experience that kind of exchange they walk out and they whisper thank you God thank you God I know more of you thank you living life unto the glory of God. What if your days in study and school were lived unto the glory of God? What if your job was unto the glory of God? What if your family life revealed God and his character? That's glorious living. But it goes even further, doesn't it? Glorious living is in response to God's call and the gifts given to us. So God has purposed you and me to express his glory, creating us uniquely for the purposes. So let's consistently make God known. Let's do it in a way that God has given us this call and the capacity for which we can exercise in that call. That means that you and I do various ministry assignments and missions and ministry and worship and those assignments really are up to God. And I say they're up to God because God will give you the gifts and the talents and abilities by which you will accomplish that which he has called you to do. 
He creates us uniquely for his purposes. And you and I don't have equal measure of the gifts of God, nor the talents, nor the abilities. Some of you have far more than others. And that's okay, that's up to God. God measures out the capacities that he wants us to have according to the call that he is going to issue to us. But our faithfulness to the gifts that God has given to us, that is completely up to us. The capacity to do it is up to God. The faithfulness with the capacity given is up to us. And I just want to show that distinction because God wants you and me to live gloriously in the call that he has given to us, in the gifts that he has deposited in us. For example, whether God entrusts you with a million dollars or a thousand dollars, we can both be faithful and wise and good stewards of that which God has given to us. We can be faithful as managers of God's grace, revealing the excellencies of God regardless of the amount. The person with a million dollars can proclaim the excellencies of God in their faithful stewardship of a million dollars, just like somebody with a thousand dollars can do that. The capacity is up to God. The faithfulness is up to us. Only a small number of people in this room have the substantial amount of money to make a major impact on funding a gospel project. That does not mean that all of us cannot be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us and he will just as faithfully reward us in eternity for our giving and generosity regardless of the amount. And that, that puts us all on an equal plane. You can say the same thing about the talent of people. Not all of us have the talent to be musicians. We can't just join the praise band, the worship band, because we want to. You have to have some measure of gift that God has entrusted to you. That doesn't make any of us less in God's kingdom. You and, all can, and I can express worship in various ways. I'd say, I would love to be able to play the piano. I would love to be able to play the guitar. I'd love to be able to play playing any of those things. How about you? I can't do it. I want to, but here's what I can do. I can clap my hands, right? And the scriptures say that, clap your hands, oh, you people. Can we not all sing and make a joyful noise, a joyful sound? Can we not all raise our hands and worship unto the Lord? Can we not all do that? Sure. So the measure, the capacity in which God gives to us the gifts and the abilities to exercise our call is completely up to him. You and I live gloriously when we take that which God has given to us and we live it out in expression to him. Okay, Lord, I can't pick up the guitar and play it, but I can sure clap along with the people who do it. And I'm gonna clap and rejoice and sing and express unto your glory. Not everyone has a gift of teaching, but we can all converse to someone about the biblical truths that have made such an impact in our own lives. We can do it in a conversational way. So God has called every one of us to something and he's given us the gifts by which we are to accomplish that. And what I want you to know is you can do that gloriously unto him. Let's determine to express that call that God has given to us. By the way, everybody in this room, everybody watching us on the streaming service, everyone that God has called, he has gifted. He has given you a gift. Use that gift in a way that his glory is known. Number three, live gloriously for the good of others, for the joy and the goodness of others. 
Paul writes in Philippians 1.25, convinced of this, convinced that he's going to stay and that he's going to exercise as long as God will allow him to the church, the gifts that God has given to him. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. So Paul matured spiritually so that his wants and his desires were not the driving force for his living. He didn't wake up thinking, what am I going to do today? He woke up thinking, how am I going to live gloriously unto the Lord? How am I going to help the church to develop and progress moving forward in the gospel filled with joy? That was his purpose. That's what drove him. Man, if you and I would do that, what a glorious church this would be. What a glorious way of life. Continuing his ministry wasn't going to end well, by the way. Continuing his ministry wasn't just something that was going to end well. He knew the end of his ministry was execution by the Romans. He knew that. The Spirit of God had already told him of that. So it wasn't like he was just looking for the easy blessings that so many a preacher call for today. His life was going to be poured out as a sacrifice. He's like, my life is a drink offering and it's already being poured out before the Lord. It is going to end with his death. But the Holy Spirit had given him insight to a fact, and that fact was until your death, you be focused on the mission that I've assigned to you, and that is to grow people in their faith to the point that they are joy-filled in their faith. That's glorious living. He longed to be in heaven with his Savior where the pain and the suffering and the death would be no more. He desired that those things that he was experiencing in the world would be over with, but he stayed the course and he did so to reveal the joyous character of Christ, that people would know the joy of Jesus. He didn't stop until the glory of God was fully exercised before them and fully known to them. He didn't stop. He didn't retire. He didn't pass the baton to the next generation. He didn't let suffering or sickness or hardship or loss or persecution or demonic attack or any other trouble stop him from finishing the race. He kept running no matter the obstacle. He pushed through no matter the pain and he kept looking for the prize of the upper call of Christ. He did it all the way through. And my friends, that's glorious living. If you're pausing, if you're sitting, if you're ceasing in your serving, jump back in to the glory of Christ. Glorious living, it's challenging, isn't it? It's difficult. Unlike some, your best days are not today. These are your hardest days. These are the most intense days. These are the most persecuted days. These are days of suffering. And in the midst of that, we stay the course unto the call of Christ. And that's living gloriously. Your greater days are in your rewarded days for all eternity. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the finisher of your faith. Keep your eye on what Christ has called you to. Number four. Glorious, living gloriously, we do it with fellow saints. That is, we're growing relationally, we're building one another up. Here's the way he says it to the church at Thessalonica. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So expressing God's glory through missions and ministry and worship is best in the community of the saints. 
If you've got anybody that's telling you, oh, I'm involved in missions and ministry and worship, I just don't go to church. I'm telling you, you're looking at somebody who has bought into a lie. You can't do it. You can't do it in the way that Christ is calling you to. Why do you think the Lord himself put the community of saints together in the body of Christ? Why do you think his spirit is ministering within the church? Because the church needs one another. We do it better when we are together in church life, in ministry life, in mission life, in worship. It doesn't mean that you can't do those things as individuals, but you're not made to do them solely as individuals. You've been bought with a price. You've been assembled by the Spirit of God, every individual member to form the whole, the body. And sure, you're supposed to minister in missions and, and worship individually, but you do it collectively and you do it powerfully when we're in collection together. So Meadowbrook is a great gathering where the encouragement of the saints takes place and we build each other up. We do it intentionally. Sometimes we grow weary and sometimes we feel discouraged and in some seasons we might slip away into isolation, but it's during those times and more that the community of the saints hold together so that we might be strong together. It's partly what we do. We encourage one another. And that's what he was saying to the church in Thessalonica. Just keep on doing what you're doing, encouraging one another. So grief, pain, sadness, sorrow, depression, addictions, brokenness, and many other things might never end here on earth, but they can be exercised through gloriously when we're in community together leaning on one another, strengthening one another. We're stronger and more complete together. That's what the church is. Let's be that church, living gloriously together. And then number five, live gloriously by serving from God's indwelling spirit. If you're gonna live gloriously, it will not be in your own strength. It will be in the strength of the spirit of God that dwells within you. Jesus gave us this instruction before he departed earth and ascended to heaven. Abide in me and I in you as neither branch can not bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So to minister and engage missionally and worship to the glory of God, we must rid ourselves of any other impetus other than the Holy Spirit. If you're looking for a drive, you can only find the drive in missions and ministry and worship to the glory of God by the Holy Spirit. It won't be by you wanting to do something well. It won't be by you wanting to do something for your own good or somebody else's good. It will be the drive that comes from being connected to the vine, Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit. That is the impetus by which we do things. So when our service is motivation, is anything other than the Holy Spirit, we must put that motivation to death. That is the motivation of the world. And if you think about all the motivations that might be there, it could be that we would be motivated in pride to serve, to do missions, or maybe some elitist thought 
some superiority that we might think we have because we have something spiritually that other people don't have or maybe it's selfish ambition or maybe it's fear listen those motivations ought to be kicked out our sole motivation must be Jesus Christ by the indwelling of his spirit and if we'll do that then that's glorious living that's glorious missional living by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit we live life wonderfully when we remain dependent on Jesus Christ and his indwelling spirit. And prayer and gratitude is a way that we cultivate this dependence on him. Bringing his power into our lives. In fact, a self-empowered and self-motivated life is a prayerless life. You want to know why your missions or ministry or worship is not glorious, why it sort of falls flat? It could be an indication by your prayer life that you have the wrong motivation, that you have the wrong drive. Because if it's not coming from the Holy Spirit and if it's not by faith, it is not pleasing unto the Lord and certainly not glorious to him. Time out. Just as I'm speaking the Spirit of God just taps me with that truth. Just tapping me. And what he's doing is he's saying, just pause right there. Think about that for a minute. My whole life is given to this church. My being is given to be a proclamator of God's truths. I want to lead well. But just right now in that word, he's tapping me to say, is that motivation coming from my spirit so that the father the son would be richly glorified proclaimed by you can i just be transparent with you there's times that it's just the task the times it's just the accomplishment knowing what i've got to do and i will just do it that's not being connected to the vine my friends and there's no fruitfulness in that can we just pause to just be Authentic before one another and say that in this gospel movement that we're part of, sometimes strategy and motivation is misguided. And the Spirit says, oh, I want you to live gloriously. I want you to serve gloriously. I want you to express your worship gloriously so that others and you know the wonder and the grandeur of the character of God. So it is with his mission. So it is with his ministry. Let's do it well. If you're here today and you're teaching life group and it's sort of routine to you, oh, no, 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 no. Get back to the indwelling Holy Spirit and ask him to manifest his goodness and grace, God's glory through you today as you teach. If you're sharing the gospel for the sake of somebody else to come to know Jesus and you're doing it out of duty, oh no, connect to the vine again and know that Jesus wants to bring forth life to people. He wants their life to be fruitful and abundant. He wants them to live eternally with him and your purpose in sharing the gospel is so that his grace, his love, his mercy, his goodness would be known to them. And when they walk away from that interaction with, they, with you, they give God the glory. When we're serving, let's do it in a manner that's connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. And that's glorious living, glorious living. Prayer and gratitude are a way to cultivate that dependence. And then spend time with the Lord. Spend time getting to know the God who indwells you. 
Can I just tell you, it's going to take a lifetime of spending time with him to get to know him. You're going to know him more richly as the weeks and the months and the years go forth. In the good times and in the bad times, in the times when you're filled with laughter and the times that you can't stop crying, spend time with God and you'll come to know him more. And as you know him more, you'll be so much more connected to him and he will flow freely through you. So let's get to know him by reading his word, by being quiet before him, by speaking honestly and truthfully to him, by being dependent on him, by suffering alongside him, by worshiping him, by speaking to him, by fellowshipping with the saints of God, and by gathering together like we have done this morning. Let's get to know the God who indwells us. The more we know him, the more we will love him. And the more we love him, the more passionate we will be for him. And the more impassioned we are, the more we will reveal his character and his word and his glory. May God be glorified in that. So let's take a minute to just respond. What is your response today to God's truth? Is it that God is calling you to the truth of the gospel, that he wants you to lay down your life Deny yourself, take up the cross of Christ and follow after him. Is that what his call is for you? I would encourage you to do so today. I want you to be saved today. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know the fellowship that you can have with him. I want you to know what it's like to be justified before a holy God. I want you to know what it's like to be born from this heaven above. If that's your call, I'm asking you to step forward in faith. Is it evident that God is gloriously dwelling within you? Do your heart, mind, and body intentionally express the infinite worth of God? Would your family say that about you, that you are an expression of the infinite worth of God? Does your co-worker say that about you, that you have the expression of the infinite worth of God? Do your classmates say that about you? If not, that's what God is calling you to. Would you say yes to that? Lord, I want my living to be an expression of the infinite worth that I know you to be. Maybe God's calling you to live for the good and the joy of others that they might be deep in community with you and you with them. Among the saints here at Meadowbrook, then I would encourage you to take the next step in that call. Lord, I want to be connected in fellowship in the life of the saints with the church. I want to be a member. What's the next step for you? It could be one of three ways that you'll respond. One, you could walk forward in this invitational song, and I'll have some people standing down front, and they will hear you say, here's what God's call for my life is, and here's my surrender to him. Or it might be that you want to take some time to have conversation later. Why don't you text us without spaces, MB Connect, or excuse me, MB Next Step, to the number 33222. MB next step to 33222, or you can email us at pastor at mbchurch.com. Let's have conversation together. Let's talk about moving forward in God's call in your life that you might live gloriously. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, as we have heard your word and been challenged by it and just reckon for a moment about the mission and the ministry and the way in which we worship at Meadowbrook. We pray that you would call us 
to this glorious way of life. And in that call, you would find us demonstrating faithfully as good stewards of the manifold grace that you have entrusted to us. Let it be said, this is the beginning of glorious living. I pray for those who are struggling even now in various ways, that they would come to know Jesus is the answer. They would come to know the gospel is the solution and they would surrender their lives to you and pick up the life of Christ and forever be changed as old things pass away and behold, all things become new. And I pray, Lord, that as we walk in the newness of Christ as Christians, that we would do so unto your glory, that it would be our purpose to live in that way from this day forward.